Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. So our reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 1 to 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when we were pagans, somehow or other, we were, led astray, we were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, how are you? That's how my children respond when I say, have you had a nice day? And they're like, how are you? There we go. It's a little bit better. It's summer. We're happy. Happy times. Uh, summertime. Louisa, thank you. Louise, thank you so much for that very kind introduction. If you could come and do that in my home for my children at some point, that would be amazing. Um, thank you. <laughs> someone someone has, te- has had teenage boys by the sounds of it. Now, I just want to talk about my kids really quickly because they're not here and they probably won't hear this. But um, I'm super proud of my kids. And you know the thing that brings me the most pride... Uh, and I know I don't know if it should or not. Is when someone says, "Oh, your your kids are really like Nikki," when they they very rarely say they're anything like me, but uh, so like Nikki, like Luke is just he works so hard and he's just so diligent, diligent. He's got amazing work ethic and he's he's just so like Nikki. Or they'll say uh, about Zach, you know, he's just so you know he's just put any sport he puts his hands, he's brilliant. He's just like Nikki. Um, or they'll say, "Oh, you know, Jonah, he's just you know thoughtful and perceptive, just like Nikki." And one of the things I love, because oh, Nikki's like all those things, um, but one of the things I love is when um, people see us or see us in our kids. It's just a really lovely, lovely thing. And um, when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, which is what we're talking about this morning, it's amazing how actually, in the right context, we become what we take on the attributes of God. We take on the attributes of God, and some of that is reflecting the gifts of the Spirit, which we are going to talk about. 
But I don't know what your faith journey has been like. But um, I didn't grow up, uh, most of you know this, but for those of you who don't, very quick potted history. I did not grow up in a Christian home at all. In fact, my grandfather used to sing in a church choir, and he would stand up, and he would walk straight down the aisle and walk out of the church after he'd sung in the choir before the vicar stood up to preach the sermon, uh, which was super encouraging of him, as you, as you can imagine. And um, uh, my grandmother was lowered down. She, she was a nurse during the Second World War. She was lowered down bomb craters uh, in, up in Liverpool. And she tended to people... Who, well, she didn't tend to the dead, but she tended to the dying. And so she, uh, she didn't... Having seen that, she found it very difficult to engage with the idea of God at all. Now, you may be uh, like my grandfather. You may be like my grandmother. Uh, or you may have grown up as a Christian your whole life. Which, that's wonderful. I, I, I didn't. And my life was changed when um, some neighbours took me along to church when I, was, when I was 16. And my experience at church, other than that, had just basically been at school, which had, like, was pretty dull, to be totally honest. The only time people sung is when we uh, sung Jerusalem, and we sung Jerusalem when someone was expelled, uh, and it was the only way they could get the whole, whole, the whole school to sing. So they just sung Jerusalem, and it, it became this sort of like, I don't know, one of those weird things. Um, and, um, but so when I went to church, like, I went to a church that, where it was totally normal for, for, um, for people to pray and to see God heal people, whether it's physically, emotionally, um, psychologically. We, they, people would pray, and there would be an expectation, and people would get healed. Uh, there'd be people standing up and giving these amazing prophetic words for people. There would be people praying in tongues. There would be people would experience the power of God and the love of Jesus. There was a belief that God was good, and there was an expectation that um, if we asked, He would answer, that He would do stuff. There was this kind of infectious sense of faith and love for Jesus. And that was what the normal Christian life looked like to me, because I didn't know any different. And I know that the hope and the dream of Emmaus Road is the same, that there's that same infectious passion for Jesus, there's the same infectious expectation that when we pray, stuff happens. Um, uh, that this is a place where you come on a Sunday and you know, do you know what, whatever else is happening in my week, I know that for an hour and a half, uh, I am going to encounter God. And I'm going to know at the end of it that he's good and that he is for me, that he sees me, that he knows me and that he loves me. It's just the most exciting place to be. And a while back, I was just thinking that I'd been praying about our church, and I felt like God really challenging me and challenging us as a church family. And I felt like he said, keep fueling the fire. Keep fueling the fire. And when I asked him what he meant by that, uh, he said, you fuel the fire by fanning the flames. You need to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's super important. I know we've been through this crazy time where we've been locked down and we've been in small numbers and, you know, all that stuff. And the thing that can happen sometimes is what used to make us distinct can very easily become extinct because we just get out of the habit of practicing these things, of moving in these ways. And I'm really passionate. I know Pete's passionate and Adam's passionate. And like anyone I speak to who's part of the team, Sammy's passionate, that we really engage with this and understand, not just on a cerebral level, but like at a heart level, that God has stuff that he wants to give us because he wants to invite us into what he's doing because he wants to use us, uh, which is an amazing thing. 
what, just think about it for a second, what could be more exciting than being in a situation at work where there's this complex problem uh, that no one can solve, and you pray, and the Holy Spirit just gives you supernatural wisdom, and, and as you sort of share um, you know, what God's given you, the kind of jaws drop, and people are like, oh my goodness, how did you, how did you get to that? Or wouldn't it be amazing if uh, you, uh, you hear God share his heart for someone in a way, and then you just sidle up to them quietly and just say, I don't know how you're doing, but I just kind of, I wonder if this would help. And you see something happen in them, at the water cooler or the coffee machine at work or at the school gates, or when you're walking, you know, someone you meet when you're walking the dog or whatever it is. Or you have a moment when you just become aware of the presence of God in a particular uh, way, in a manifest way. And as you kind of push into that, you see the whole atmosphere around you and in the room that you're in or the place that you're in begin to change because you've allowed God to steward his presence in that place. You know, the thing is, it is so easy to settle for less than that. I know that there are times in my life when I settle for less than that um, because I, sometimes we think we're not worthy. Like, why would God use us? You know, if, if, you know Bono's famous quote, if you saw my heart, you'd spit in my face. Uh, others think, you know, we don't need these gifts anymore. That kind of was for then, but that's not now. And, and, and we don't believe that. We believe, you know, that when we ask God to move, when we ask him for good things, he gives them to us because that's who he is. For some of us, we're not particularly familiar with this, these kind of passages in the Bible, and they feel a little bit weird and a little bit awkward, and we're not quite sure what we think about them, so we, like, turn the page really quickly. They don't know about, some people just don't know about the gifts or the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, um, about a million years ago, I went to theological college, and uh, we, it was a kind of a really weird kind of cast of characters. You had, a theological college, for those of you not quite sure what I'm talking about, is like a vicar factory. And uh, there's a kind of really weird, kind of lovely, eclectic group of people from all sorts of different works of, uh, walks of life. And I remember saying to my friend Wayne, I was quite, I was 30 when I started, and I said to my, my friend Wayne, everyone here is a bit weird. And Wayne said to me, Bill, they're all looking at us thinking we're really weird. Um, and one of the guys who was there was this guy called Hamilton, and he was, um, he was from South Carolina, so I'm not going to insult any Americans in here uh, by trying to do an American action, much less a southern drawl. But I want you to imagine, like, he turned up on his first day. He's from South Carolina. He's, he, was, he used to be a lawyer. He turned up in a, in a jacket and a bow tie um, and a white, you know, starch-pressed shirt, for the first day of lectures, and there's me and Wayne sat in the back wearing our T-shirts and shorts and trainers. And, um, he, uh, and he had, him and his wife and their, their daughter had moved into this apartment just, um, just, just a little outside of town, and, and we noticed he started coming into college earlier and earlier. Um, and, and, and eventually we said, like, is everything all right? You seem to be coming to college earlier, and he goes, oh, my, it's just, I can't get our shower to work at home. Like, I turn it on, and it's just like this sort of dribble uh, comes out of the shower head. So, so we said, well, well you know, we'll, and, he, and he said, I've spoken, we said, well, have you spoken to the landlord? I've spoken to the landlord. The landlord said it's fine. I called the landlord again, and he sent someone around, and he said it's fine as well. And I said, it seemed, and Hamilton said, it's like we're looking at two different showers. So we, we went, me and Wayne, and uh, Nicky came as well, we went round to his house, uh, his apartment, and he's like, look, the shower doesn't work. And I'm not, I'm not very practical at all. Nikki does the DIY in our house. Uh, I, I'm not allowed any power tools, but this didn't involve power tools or anything like that. But, but, um, but 
but um, Nikki took one look at the shower, went outside, there was a little button on the wall, and pressed it, and the, the shower sort of almost knocked Hamilton over. Uh, it was a power shower, one of those electric power showers. Now, now, Hamilton had never seen a power shower before, uh, but he all, never came into college early ever again. <laughs> all it took was the flick of a switch from someone who knew uh, what they were doing. And I believe that God is really wanting and waiting to flick some switches today, so to speak. So I want to start by saying you'll only really understand the gifts if you understand the giver. What you believe about God shapes how you live. The story you believe shapes the life that you live. And I don't know about you, but for a large part of my life, I thought God was basically... Uh, quite distant, abstract, probably. Uh, And if he was real, he was like some sort of school teacher from the 1940s in a tweed suit, sat in a cold, dusty classroom waiting to tell me off. Or like Mr. Bumble from Oliver Twist, you know, more, you want more? God is not like that at all. God, first of all, God is good. The writer of uh, of Psalm 136 knew this. He said, let me just read some of it for you. He says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords, his love endures forever. To him alone, uh, to him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. You get the picture. And he actually goes on to repeat that truth. He is good and his love endures forever 26 times. So if you remember nothing else from what I've said this morning, please remember this. God is good. He loves you, he sees you, he knows you, he loves you, he's for you. But he is good. And his love for you, in the words of the message translation, his love for you is forever. No matter what uh, you've done, no matter how much you feel you might have failed, his love for you is forever. It described in 1 John 3, uh, it's, it's described as being lavished upon you. He lo- lavishes his love upon us. The second thing to remember about God, first of all, he's good. Secondly, it is in his nature to be generous. Let me just read a passage from Matthew's gospel to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I just want to just just really quickly, humor me for a second. I just want to read the beginning of that passage again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Not might do, not uh, if he's not too busy doing something else. Ask and he will. Seek and you will. Knock and the door will. And then he goes on to say, everyone who asks receives. Not the super spiritual, not just the Pete Greggs of this world, not just the Pete Burns of this world who are clever at good, or Adam or Hannah who are good at theology, not just um, people who are really good at tithing or who people give loads of time to serve in the church who are really good at praying. Anyone who asks receives. Anyone. 
Anyone, doesn't matter what you've done. I, know, I don't know about you, I disqualify myself all the time. Anyone who asks receives. Anyone. Thirdly, he wants to give us good gifts. He's not trying to trick us. He's not trying to lull us into a false sense of security till you ask. He goes, I've got you. Huh? Amateur dramatics today. There we go. Uh, God doesn't love a commentary from my wife. It was so encouraging. Um, God doesn't offer us a gift he doesn't intend to give us. So a few years ago, well, when I was small, uh, confession time, we, I had, my mum was a single mum because my dad died when I was small, and so she had to go and work, and so we had nannies, and we actually went through quite a lot of nannies. We actually went through 26 nannies. Uh, one lasted two hours. Uh, imagine the Von Trapp family from The Sound of Music, except uh, we couldn't sing. That was what we were like. I remember like number 24 arriving and my brother just sitting at the bottom of the stairs and going, you're number 24, <laughs> like that, and just running upstairs. Um, so like we, you know, we, were, we were a handful. Well, I was a handful. Anyway, one of them had this lovely boyfriend. She stayed a little while. She was called Jane, and she stayed for a little while. She was with us for a while. And um, her boyfriend came back. Uh, uh, we got to know their kind of boyfriends whatever, over, the t- over the years. And he came back and said, oh, work have just offered me a work car. And they've given me a brochure. So he spent all weekend, and we looked at the brochure, and we got excited for him. Was he going to get a BMW? Was he gonna get, what was he going to get? Couldn't decide about the colour. You know, was he going to get a blue? You know, whatever. Anyway, he went back to work on Monday, and his boss said to him, have you thought about the car? And he said, oh, yeah, what I'd really like is he goes, oh, just so you know, you get a grey Ford Fiesta. <laughs> but we're just interested to see what you thought you'd like. <laughs> God is not like that. So let's, he is good and he is generous. He wants to give you good gifts. Doesn't matter what's gone on, doesn't matter what you've done, he is for you. He wants to give you good gifts. It's in his nature, he's good and it's in his nature to be generous. So let's just do a quick overview of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's just look again at that passage that Emily read so brilliantly. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of the, uh, in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues all of these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines i want to make the point that they call the gifts of the holy spirit because it is the holy spirit who gives them and it's interesting he says i don't know if you know he said for the common good We can't earn them. Uh, They're tools and they're not trophies. He gives us gifts so that he can show what God is like. And um, one of the passages that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about uh, recently is Revelation, uh, you know, the passage in Revelation where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. And, you know, oftentimes in church, what we've done is we've used that as to talk about evangelism, you know, God's knocking at the door. And he is. 
But if we stop there, we miss something really special and really important. It says, I will, if you open the door, I will come in and eat with you, and you'll eat with me. And in the Bible, that's a picture of you know, friendship and fellowship. And God's saying, if you open the door, I'll come and eat with you, and we'll, we'll become friends. And, and the inference of that, and I, I know it's an inference, is that God's invited us into friendship, and friendship doesn't, it starts at the table, and it stops by going back out the door with him. And the thing that is just sort of slightly blowing my mind at the moment is that God doesn't have to involve us in anything he's doing. He doesn't, like he's God. You know, he can like do it all himself, you know. Um, I mean, look at us. I mean, look, look you know, look at, look at me. You know, I'm nothing special, and what an incredible thought that God said, you know what, I want, to inv- I want to invite you to be a part of what I'm doing. I want to come in and eat with you, and you're going to eat with me, and then we're going to do some stuff that is going to change the world around us. What an incredible thing. What, um, I mean, just, like, sorry, I'm going on about it. I'm just so moved by it, and so challenged by it, and so struck by it, that this is a God who who always looking for a way to draw us in to reveal more of himself to us and then to use us to reveal more of himself to other people. So let's do a whistle-stop tour of the gifts. First of all, a message of wisdom. This is when the Holy Spirit gives us supernatural insight into a particular situation or person. Now, for those of you who are really good at the Bible, you'll remember the story of Solomon. When, do you remember when the two, the two women came together and said, well, uh, one of our babies died in the night and uh, we're, they were having an argument about whose baby was the one who, uh, who hadn't died. And uh, they're arguing and Solomon watches them. He says, okay, I've got a really simple solution. Cut the baby in half and you can both have half. And one of the mothers goes, yes, we should do that. And the other one goes, no, 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 let, let her have it. And Solomon goes, that's the mother. It's like crazy wisdom. Um, That is what a message of wisdom looks like. Gifts of revelation. And this encompasses kind of words of knowledge, prophecy, and distinguishing between spirits, if you like. And and what a word of knowledge is, really simply, is when God reveals something to you about someone that you could not possibly have known had the Spirit of God, had the Holy Spirit not revealed it to you. And he always reveals it to you because he wants to reach out to somebody and to connect with them, to remind them that he sees them, that he knows them, that he loves them, and that he's for them. You see that in the story of the woman in, at the well in John chapter 4, having this conversation, go and get your husband, I don't have a husband. You're right, you don't. You've had four husbands, and the man you're with doesn't even want to, you to carry his name. But said with huge love to draw her in, to reveal to her that she's seen and that she's known. I was, um, I was, uh, I was, um, I love cafes. And uh, normally I like to sit in a cafe and, and have a chat to people around me and, and, and whatever. And I've got a new favourite cafe, which is just on, off, um, off the Horsham Road and called Maddings at Whitley Farm, Manor Farm. If you're ever going past, do go and say hello. Uh, they're very friendly. And... Um, and I was sat at this, I was actually going, I was, in a, I was driving past a Starbucks on, you know the Starbucks on the A3? I was driving past that, and I just thought, I really need, like I need a drink. I was just really thirsty. 
So, uh, so I, I walked in. Uh, no, so I didn't. I drove up, and in the in the car park, there was uh, this this guy sort of standing, fiddling with his phone. And I sort of walked past, and then you know that thing where you kind of something just kind of registers with you, and you're like, I've just I've been I've learned to like re recognize when that happens, and just to give myself a little bit of a pause. So I'm like, okay, look, look what's going on? And um, and I just felt God saying, um, uh, there's been an argument at home. And, um, and so I just went up to him and said, hey, I just want to check you're okay. And uh, he's like, oh, fine, fine, fine. So, and, 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 I, and I just sensed that um, after I asked him, I sensed that there'd been this argument at home. And there'd been this argument at home because um, his parents had found out um, something about him that he didn't want them to know. So I said, I hope you don't mind me asking, but is everything okay with your parents? And he, uh, he sort of just put his phone down and said, do you know me? And I said, no, no, I don't know you. My name's Bill. I just came to get, to get a drink. And, um, and, um, uh, and he said, um, has my mum sent you? And I said, oh, no, no, I don't, not, no, I don't, I don't think I know your mum. And, um, and at which point I just sensed there's something to do with drugs. So I said, oh, please forgive me, I don't want to trespass on your sort of space or your privacy or anything like that, but, but um, have your parents, has your mum just found out that you've, um, you've started to experiment with drugs a little bit? And he looks at me and goes, are you a policeman? And I said, no, no, I'm not a policeman either. Uh, I'm actually a pastor. And he goes, oh, God. Like, and I said, yes, actually. And, uh, and, he, and, he said, and, and he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I said, well what are your options? He goes, well, I was just going to get in my car and drive as far as I could to sort of run away from the situation. I said, well, and how's that going for you? And he said, not well. I said, where do you live? And he goes, in Woking. So... <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, uh, and I said, I said, how about you, 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 you face this? And uh, he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, how about you go home and you face the music? You take, you take the medicine. Um, because I said, I said, whatever you think about your parents. I said, I grew up in a single-parent family. And I said... Um, you have lots of people in your life, but you only have one family. And they may be good or they may be bad, but they're your family. And they know you better than anybody else. And at the end of the day, the feeling that I get is that your parents really love you. And they're just worried about you. And um, she says, well, what should I do? I said, well, I don't know. You, you, know, you tell me. And he goes, I think I should call them. I said, well, okay, well, you know, call them. And so he goes, uh, he, he phones, and um, there's no answer on the phone. He goes, there's no, there's, no, there's no answer, there's no answer. And, um, and I said, well, just, just try one more time. And so he calls again, and his mum answers the phone. And the conversation went something like this. Mum, I'm standing by Starbucks, and I just met this guy. He's not a policeman, but he's a vicar. <laughs> and he said I should call you and, um, and come home. And so, you know, he got, he's, they had a conversation, he got in the car and he went, I have no idea what happened after that. Um, but the, 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 uh, the, the one thing he said to me is, I, can't, I just can't believe it, I can't believe it, I can't, I can't believe this is happening. 
And the only thing that I said to him is what I always say to people in these situations. When I say always, like I don't really think this happens all the time because it really doesn't. Um, and most of the time I'm like a duck furiously paddling underwater trying to work out what I'm going to say because I am, like Nikki will tell you, I am famous for putting my foot in my mouth. It's like a thing amongst my friends. So this requires a huge amount of like, like thought and um, holding myself back and you know, all the rest of it. And I just said to him, what I believe is this, that God sees you, he knows you, he loves you, and he's with you. And relationships matter to God. And your relationship with your parents matters to him. And that was all I said. And he got in the car and he drove home. I think. I mean, who knows? Um, so that's prophecy. Uh, sorry, that's words of knowledge. Prophecy is when God is, does... It's a similar sort of thing, but it's not, so it, it's not about information about a person. It'll, God uses prophecy to speak into a situation in a way that he wouldn't do otherwise. Discerning between the spirits is a supernatural gift that enables people to see what's happening in the spiritual realm at a particular time. You know when you walk into a room and there's just a, sometimes a bit of a weird vibe and you're like, what's going on? Or there's someone you meet and there's just something about them that it just doesn't quite sit. What I'm learning to do is pay attention to that and just, look, what's going on with this person? What's going on in here? What's going on with this person? Not so that I can run away, but so that I can, I can step into that situation accordingly, knowing that God loves the person or he loves the people involved in this situation. Faith, this is a supernatural gift that enables people to step out in faith in ways they normally couldn't. And one of the people I know exemplifies this the most is Sammy Gregg. She has this amazing ability, not just to carry faith, but to release it. Like when you're around her, you just believe God could do anything. It's an amazing gift to have. And it's not just about like, ah, let's all get pumped up. Um, It's just about they have such a confidence in who God is that it just rubs off on everyone around them. One of the I think some most important gifts for the church, particularly at the moment, the gift of healing. This is when God supernaturally heals somebody. Um, I had this lump on my foot. It's called a ganglion. I don't know if you know what a ganglion is, and I won't bore you with the medical details, partly because I don't really understand them. But basically, it's when a tendon ruptures uh, in some part of your body, and the, basically the fluid that was lubricating the, 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 the tendon uh, seeps out and it gets stuck in a little sack. And so I got one on my foot, and I could not get rid of it. I, um, um, I tried ignoring it, and it just got bigger. Um, I was, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, well, I'm ordained in the church, I mean, so I have a Bible. In fact, I, have a very, I used to have a very, very large Bible, um, sort of like that, and that thick. And so what I did, eventually I got fed up with this thing, so I just turned it on its side. I got my foot on the, on the table and just walloped it. Because I thought, you know, like you'd, you, know, you could burst this little... Uh, it doesn't work. It just really hurt. So, so the ganglion was just getting bigger, and it was now red and getting a little inflamed. And so I thought, I know what I'll do, I'll lance it. And um, um, not having any medical... I did once pass my Duke of Edinburgh First Aid Award, but other than that, I have no medical training at all. And so I thought, I know what I'll do, I'll lance it. And I tried with a pin, but that didn't work. So I, got, I promise you this is what happened. I got a nail, and I got a hammer, and I just thought, I'm just going to... And it didn't... The kind of nail slid. And so I... Um, uh, and then the gangling... I got cellulitis in my foot. So... <laughs> So, and all I'm thinking is summer's coming soon and I'm going to be wearing flip-flops and everyone's going to be looking at my foot thinking, what is that thing? What is that second foot on his foot? 
And um, so I, I go to the doctor, and the doctor said, um, first thing he said is, you haven't done anything to this, have you? I said, no, I have not done anything to this at all. And, um, and uh, he said, well, what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to, first of all, give you a course of antibiotics because you managed to have infected it. And once that's worked, we're going we're to drain it with a syringe. And so uh, I had my course of antibiotics, went to the thingy bob, the doctor. He got this syringe that looked about a mile long and um, sucked this thing, well, you know, the syringe, pulled this thing out of my foot. And uh, he goes, there you go, that should be fine. I promise you, two days later, that ganglion was back. And it was angry. Now, it was angry. <laughs> and so um, uh, I did debate whether I should, you know, try another sort of homemade implement, but I thought, I thought better of it. So um, um, I went back to the doctor, and he said, that's interesting, that normally, doesn't normally happen. So we'll give you a course of steroids, as well as sucking it out. So, so I did that. A week later, the ganglion is flipping back again. And, um, and I can't get my shoe on now, partly because my foot is so sore that any sort you know, being wrapped in anything just hurts. And so I, um, I, I, go, uh, I, I, I go to make an appointment with the doctor, and I make an appointment with the doctor, and then just that night I just was so frustrated. I went to our eldest son, Luke, who I think was probably, I think it was three or something at the time. I said, look, please can you pray for my foot? So uh, this is the prayer that he prayed. Dear God, please make, please make daddy's foot better. Amen. <laughs> and then he went to bed. And I went to bed and I woke up and the ganglion was gone. And the ganglion has never come back. So the moral of the story is, don't try and do it yourself. You know, Bibles don't work. Um, and a prayer that works is one that is simple. It doesn't have to be, Luke didn't use long, lofty theological words. He didn't put on a funny voice. He just was him. Be yourself. Step out. Simple prayer and watch what God might do. Praying in tongues. Uh, I'm going to rattle through these because I'm just aware of the time. Uh, the gift of tongues is this supernatural ability to speak in a language that you don't, you know, like a heavenly language, if you like. And there are moments in our lives when we, you know that thing when you run out of words? Like situations like you just don't know how to pray anymore. Maybe something stressful's happened or maybe you've just prayed about something for so long that it's hard to just keep praying. The gift of tongues is the amazing gift that God gives us where he gives us a language to pray when we run out of words, for whatever reason. And um, uh, I am so thankful for the gift of tongues. I pray in tongues all the time. Um, you don't have to, the great thing is you can disengage your mind. Um, so it's an amazing, amazing gift. I want to say just one more thing about these gifts. All these gifts are supernatural gifts. They're supernatural. And what I mean by that is, they're supernatural and they're God, but they're, they're, they're amazing, but they should be something that we move in and we're comfortable with. Using spiritual gifts doesn't mean we have to become weird. Doesn't mean we have to start doing things that we wouldn't normally do and sort of strange and weird and wonderful things. They aren't just for a select group of Christians. They are for everyone. And it's so exciting to move in these gifts. No one person has all of these gifts. The point of this is when Jesus invites us to the feast, he invites all our friends as well, and we all get to share in the meal and we all get to partake in what he's doing. One body, many parts. just want to finish by um, 
a couple of things that we could do if we really want to motor, or begin to motor in these things or start in these things. The first is be eager, eagerly desire them. We read that uh, in the passage. We just eagerly desire the spirit. Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy, but eagerly desire. So that's the first thing, be eager. Second thing is be expectant. Remember, remember Matthew 7, verse 8, anyone who asks receives. Anyone who seeks finds. Anyone who knocks the door will be open. So be expectant that when you ask, God hears you and wants to give you a good gift. Thirdly, be patient. These gifts grow over time. If you say, Lord, please give me the, the gift of, he, uh, of, I don't know, healing. No, that's a bad example. Please give me the gift of evangelism if you want to be an amazing evangelist. That doesn't mean necessarily that you pray and you walk out and you suddenly are like Billy Graham and lead thousands of people to Christ in one moment. God gives us gifts, but we then have to do the work and practice, 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 trust, 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 and watch as that muscle, think about it as a muscle, begins to grow and develop, and God begins to use us. So be patient. Be ready to practice these gifts. Collectives are a great place to practice these gifts, but be ready to practice them. There is no point asking, Lord, please give me the gift of revelation or, you know, or wisdom. And then when there's this crisis, you think, oh, no, I don't want to do that now. Oh, it's in my collective on here. Um, you've got to step out. You've got to be willing to step out. And you've got, you know what, we're going to, I have got it wrong. So, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times I've just made a complete pig's ear of it. No one's died so far, and I've learned something every time. So be ready and be brave. Have a go. Like, as I say, collectives are a great place to practice. But have a go. Just give it a go. Step out. Give it a try. What's the worst thing that can happen? Um, you know, just be persistent. Just keep going. Be brave. So that's it. Um, as I look across this room, I see some extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. And what my sense is for this morning is God wants to equip anyone who wants to receive with the gifts of his spirit so that we can step out and so that we can make a difference. So that, I mean, there is a world out there that is confused, that is spinning wildly out of control. And people are looking. I've had more conversations with people I would least expect in the last few months than I've ever had before because people are just asking big questions. And it kind of feels like our moment. It feels like, well, God's moment. And all he's doing is he is looking for people who will open the door, who will let him come and eat, eat with him and then with him. And then I'll say, hey, do you want to come and do some stuff together? Do you want to come and impact people's lives? Because he loves them. And he wants people to know that he sees them he knows them he loves them and that he's with them all we have to do is really simple we have to just say yeah i'm up for that there are loads of practical ways you can get involved as well i really want to encourage you to think about helping with the back to school project it's a most incredible project so do get in touch with us about that but i want to encourage we're going to stand now maybe simon can come back and the band can come back and we can play something sorry i were aware that was long there was a lot to cover probably one too many stories The Father wants us to take on his likeness. What he, the, the thing that delights his heart most is when people say about the people in this church, gosh, if God is like that, I'm interested. 
if that's what God's like, I'll come on Alpha. Well, if God, that's what God's like, I'll go to students. If that was God's like, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come and check it out. If that was, that's what God's like. And it begins when we receive his spirit and we begin to reflect him. So I don't know what gift you're thinking maybe, you know, give it a ask. What gift is it that you would really love God to give you so that you could partner with him in impacting people's lives? The greatest gift, of course, that he could give us, he's already given us, which is himself on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit, which is, you know, poured out on all people for all time. But what is it that you feel like God would love to give you this morning? So I'm going to encourage you, if you're comfortable, you're going to close your eyes and you're going to hold out your hands. The reason for that is because if you wanted to, if I was going to come and give you a gift, you'd have to hold out your hands to receive it. You don't have to, it's not magic. And I'm just going to pray, and you think about those gifts that I've mentioned again, which is the one that you would love to move in, to have a go at. Father, thank you that you are here by the power of your spirit. Thank you that for each person here, you see them, you know them, you love them, you are with them, you are for them. And Lord, we thank you that there is a world out there that is looking for answers, is longing for answers. And we may not know much, but we know this, that God is good and his love endures forever. So would you come and would you meet us? Holy Spirit, would you come and would you move amongst us? Thank you that you're already here. Just allow him to meet with you quickly. And then just say, Lord, I'd love to give this a go. I love that gift, whichever one it is. So, Lord, thank you that you are good and you are generous. And we thank you that you promise for each person who asks, they receive for everyone who seeks, finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I feel like there's maybe one or two people here and you've been a little bit bruised by this in the past. You had a go and either you moved in this for a season and then for whatever reason it kind of, you stopped doing it and you don't quite, you've kind of lost confidence and other people here, you've just been, you've tried it before and you've, it's, you've just been hurt and so a bit reticent to have another go, to start again. And Father, I want to pray for both of those categories of people, whether they feel like they've dried up a little bit, that you would remind them of your promise. Anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. And as the scriptures have said, living water will flow from within them. Father, for those who've just been hurt or bruised or misunderstood, 
would you give them the courage, the boldness to dust themselves off, to get up and to have another go. Maybe for some people here, you know what? You just need to meet with Jesus again this morning. You just need to be reminded of his love for you, his presence with you. You feel like you're running on empty a little bit. Let him meet with you. The gift he wants to give you this morning is just himself, more of himself. And just finally, I just wonder if, I just want to give anyone an opportunity. They, you know, I don't know, I don't know everybody in here. I don't know where you're at. But I just wonder if, but I want to give an opportunity for anyone who's like, Do you know what, I kind of have been on a bit of a journey with God and I want to kind of take it to the next level. I want to kind of, I want to be more in than I was, if you like. If that's you, I just, I'd love to, just invite you to pray this prayer uh, with me and it's, it's just saying I just want I want to get to know you I want I want you to be in my life and that's it so you just repeat it quietly after me in the silence of your own heart Lord Jesus thank you that you know me and you love me and that you're for me. I'm not even really sure what that means, but what I know is I want to know you more. I want to kind of go to the next stage in my journey with you. I'm sorry for the stuff that I've done that's kind of got in the way. Forgive me for that. Please come and show me what friendship with you looks like. I want to open that door and I want to enjoy that feast with you. And come and fill me with your spirit so that I know that you see me, you know me, you love me and you're with me. Always, always. Always.